Okay, boys, the way I want to start out this podcast is kind of on the topic of can somebody be a hero and a villain at the same time, or like just kind of the topic of anti-heroes. Because one of the guys we're talking about today, you know, I brought up to like actually some co-workers, and it was very split 50-50 on like uh, the greater good kind of type of thing. And so like I just kind of want to get your opinions on an anti-hero or possibly somebody that does something really shitty that results in something that is like groundbreaking in the uh, helping people type of thing. Well, here's the deal. I somehow knew you were going to ask this question. I honestly somehow did. And I guess it's just because the nature of the guy, because of what he accomplished and how awful of a person he was at the same time. Right. There was an episode of Star Trek where this, um, Alien Doctor, doesn't matter who he was, Cardassian, it doesn't matter. But he had done a fucking shitload of really horrible, like, terrible things, but, like, solved, like, multiple huge fucking pandemics and shit, and, like, saved millions and millions of lives. Mm -hmm. Billions, really. And the Doctor in the episode is a hologram, and he's, like, bound by ethical guidelines to, like, perform medicine in an ethical way. So he is, like, really having a hard time deciding if he's going to use this research to save this person's life. Like, this whole unrelated thing, but it's, like, kind of related-ish, like, disease. He just doesn't know what to do. So that's, you know, of course, based on real life. Like, every medicine we have, pretty much. Pretty much almost everything we have in general without medicine came from something really horrible. Yeah. Like, some animal got tortured, I promise you. For everything we have. Now, we try not to do that anymore. People, I mean, there still are. Of course, it's frowned upon more now, but it's like every single person still benefits from it. If you have to get insulin injections, that comes from animals. Yeah. Sorry. Like, you would be dead otherwise. And they do not like it, trust me. So you're basically saying that, like, at least in some cases, it's a necessary evil. I don't know if it's necessary or not. I'm just saying literally everyone in the whole world gets the benefits from it. So whether they like it or not, they're taking advantage of the fact that some animal or some person was tortured once upon a time. Like, they're reaping the benefits. And there's nothing you can do about it one way or the other. I know that doesn't exactly answer your question, I guess, because I don't really think the question has an answer. It's a hard question. I guess the only way for me to answer it would simply just to be to say that, like, if it was me in those shoes, I would have a very hard time deciding if I knew for a fact that what I was doing was going to save a million zillion lives if I would do something incredibly horrible in order to do it. Like, I don't know. I'm not a genius, thank fuck. I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> You're not a mad scientist, essentially. No. I'm not a regular scientist. Sometimes it's just... Right. No, <laughs> I'm not a sad, mad, happy... I'm, in a, I'm none of the scientists. And the reason I brought this up is because when I brought it up at work to a couple of my coworkers, I, I actually talked to four people and two were very much like this guy is a piece of shit. And two of them were like, uh, yeah, but still like it outweighs it by far. And basically saying like, but if he didn't do that, like all these people wouldn't be saved. And it brought up in my mind, and this is definitely a more malicious case, but uh, last year I had watched that, um, Dave Chappelle stand up comedy on Netflix and he had this entire bit on Bill Cosby, who we all know is a huge piece of shit. Yeah. But the whole reason for the bit was David Chappelle was talking about without Bill Cosby, like, you may not even have, like, Martin Luther King Jr. Because Bill Cosby, like, paid for all the setup for Martin Luther King Jr.'s first speeches and, like, all of the, like, sound equipment for the rallies and, like, got all these young black people, like, involved in activism and, like, things like that. But he's a fucking rapist. Yeah. So it's like, fuck. <laughs> I think the uh, the rub here is that as human beings, we like things to be wrapped up in a nice little story-based package. Right. Right? Like, we want to watch the movie and have the hero not be a piece of shit. Have him choose to do the right things and get the correct results as a result of that. That's all not real. Like, we made that. We invented that. It's totally outside the realm of how things naturally happen. All animals on the planet are both evil and good. Like, that is, it's, every single one of us has it in us. And I know that's like a cop-out, kind of. It's like a stereotypical answer, but it's absolutely true. So many of the worst people on Earth have been capable of some of the most, like, compassionate acts 
Like, it's just... People are both horrible and good. Like, that's just how it is. But honestly, that answers the question, though, because I asked you, like, whether or not you think somebody can be a hero and a villain at the same time. They absolutely can. What about you, Cheats? Uh, Since you haven't said a fucking thing. Well, y'all have been talking. <laughs> it's a complicated question with complicated answers because people people are not just one thing. Like, it can be, you know, it's a scenario it can be multiple things. With the person in particular we're talking about today, is he a villain? Yes. Did he do good things? Well, good as far as for the greater good for the planet uh, and humanity as a whole. Yes. That doesn't mean that you have to like him. And right. and it's easy to look at, at this now and because this is something that happened, you know, 80 years ago in some scenarios. Because, I mean, he, you know, he was started working stuff like early 1900s. Right. But it's just like... you Product of the time, too. Yeah. It's also a product <laughs> of the time. Like... People now are just like, no, I'm not going to kill animals because that's bad. Well, people, they were just like, eh, just animals. <laughs> right. Like, they just didn't care. I mean, to be fair, still that way. I mean, people, we just eat the fuck out of animals because we need them for our nutrition. Do we absolutely need them? We can get along without them, but it's much harder. Like, it's not the way our bodies are designed. We're designed to eat fucking meat. Like, it's just how it is. As we get into this episode, we'll kind of decide whether or not, like, Specifically with a lot of these cases, we can go back and look and be like, I feel like there was a better way that this could, could have been done. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so Absolutely. that kind of goes along with what Philip's saying about like factory farming. Like, yeah, we don't have to torture the fuck out of these chickens just because we eat them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the issue is that like, was would have there been a better way? Maybe not. Like, it sounds like the things that he did were to find out information to further the research. Oh, like, for sure. Sure. I mean, as horrible as it is to keep a dog head alive, like, it's got to be in so much pain. Yeah. But it's like, I don't think he cared one way or the other if the dog was in pain or not. Like, I think if you had given him a little injector that could have turned off the dog's ability to feel pain, he would have done it. He wasn't in it to torture. He just didn't give a fuck that it was torture. Like, that's the difference. And honestly, like, we still kind of don't give a fuck. Yeah. And the thing is, like, dude didn't kill any people, as far as I know, or as far as the notes were no, no. concerned. So it's like, um, people kill animals every fucking day, and are it's their job. And they, and they hand me the food, and then I eat it. Like, uh, you know, I can't, I cannot judge it. Like, I can't. I don't think it's right to torture animals. That seems horrible. But also, he solved a fuckload of medical issues. The choice is up to you. Welcome to the Curly Mustache Podcast. This is episode 43. Uh, as Joel, my normal co-host, is off in Ireland, probably up to some debauchery or some shit, I have invited two United Cypher alumni with Phil the Kill Collins and Cheats the Streets McGee from Motion Picture Meltdown to join me in replacing Joel for the week. Forever. <laughs> I- yeah, Stephen had to add for the week there because, like, I'm getting ready to say permanently, and he just cut me off. <laughs> like, Joel's one request was, please don't replace me. <laughs> Dude, he knows it's such a risk. You've been podcasting with us forever. It's a, it's a motion picture takeover. That's right. Yeah. When D-Hart listens to this episode. This was unplanned, by the way, D-Hart, so just want to throw that out there. Yes, right before we started, I meet, we all realized, oh my god, this is going to break D-Heart's tiny little, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas's heart. It's going to break D's heart. Hey. It's going to D-Heart him. He, he was just heart, and then he listened to this episode and was D-Hearted. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was a dumb joke. <laughs> it, was, but... it was. So what we do here at this podcast is each week we take one fictional villain and one real life villain and we kind of talk about their histories, their crimes and motives and any connections that they might have. And then at the end of the episode, we kind of rank them on our trusty bowler hat scale and decide whether or not they could be redeemed or not. Phil, you were on this podcast for the uh, <laughs> the Santa Claus bank robbers and the wet bandits, which was a really fun podcast. And Cheats, you talked with us about Shredder and, uh, gosh, I don't even remember this other guy's name, but basically the Yakuza mob boss. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> one of the leaders of the largest Yakuza clan. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I know both of you have listened to episodes before, so you're pretty familiar with our format, plus it's not that different from NPM, but also you're very familiar with villains at this point. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ma- mainly because, Cheats, you are one. I'm not a villain. <laughs> How am I, I mean, a villain? You either die early enough to be a hero, Cheats, or you live long enough to become the villain. 
I'm just saying. To give us a little bit of a break from serial killers, because I know that you guys don't necessarily love talking about people getting their heads cut off and fucked. No, usually not. <laughs> but, I mean, I will for the greater good, but I don't want to. <laughs> Being that Phil and I are such huge sci-fi fans, we were like, you know what, let's take a break from serial killers and let's do a couple mad scientists. So today, we are doing uh, Russian scientist Sergei Bryuhonenko, which I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm just going to call him Sergey for the podcast because I don't want to fuck up this guy's name multiple times. I mean, his ghost will definitely haunt you if you do. <laughs> definitely. And then the fictional counterpart that we chose for him is uh, the antagonist from the reanimator franchise, Herbert West. Also a mad scientist. So, shall we get started with Sergey? Well, we've already Sergeyed pr- a pretty good amount there in the opening question, but... Uh... We can continue on and get more specific on his accomplishments and his uh, insane house of horrors. He was born in 1890. This is uh, Soviet Russia, of course. He's a scientist. The reason that we picked him for the podcast is he basically took his uh, his creation of a fully functioning heart and lung machine to the next level because he essentially became obsessed with trying to reanimate animals and eventually human. Which is like, maybe that's where the villainy lies, is the obsession. Now you gotta remember, ambition is evil in, in all uh, media. Mm-hmm. So, especially when you take it to this level. What is the, the, the quote that you hate, Philip? Uh, the path to hell is paved with the best intentions. I hate that quote. I hate most of those quotes because they're <laughs> oversimplifying it so much that it becomes hilariously untrue. Right, and they would probably be in Fight Club. Yeah, saying that, just, for, just so we're clear... If you say that the path to hell is paved with good intentions, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Are you saying that I should have bad intentions to get to he- to not get to hell? Yeah, well, the path to heaven is paved with bad intentions. Didn't you know that, Philip? Well, I mean, wouldn't it have to be? <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, so what you're saying is, it's like, oh, well, I tried my best. I ended up fucking it all up. I'm sorry. And your response to that is, well, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay? So what? What do you want from me? So I should have had shitty intentions is what you're saying. What? I did, my intentions weren't good enough? I should have had great intentions? I don't... Like, be clear. What the fuck are you talking about? Sorry. You brought it up. Exactly. <laughs> I, I want to go ahead and just put out there a little bit of my philosophical thoughts on the subject of ambition and drive and the ability to accomplish something great. So, I feel like... Every person is a balancing act of what they can do, what they should do, um, what they're going to accomplish, what they are driven to do. All of the, you know, these things that they, the society wants you to do on top of all of that. So we'll take, for instance, the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. All he ever cared about in his whole fucking life was playing basketball. That's the level of insanity it takes to be that great at something. To be great like this, you have to be crazy. Like, that is a requirement. There's no such thing as being this genius and also being, like, for instance, like, good in a social situation. Or very charismatic. Or being good at almost anything else. Like, these people that are amazing at one thing and we know them for being so great at that thing are usually fucking morons when it comes to everything else. Like, that's, it's just, it's all a balance. Or awful people. Right. I mean, exactly, because everything that you learn to do and everything that you learn that you should do takes you on the path of being a shitty person or a good one. So it's like, sometimes you have to just decide. Can't have morals doing science. You can, but you won't get shit done. Just saying. If you want to be known in your time as a fucking genius, you also have to be a kind of a piece of shit. It's just how it works. I definitely think this is a case that this guy looking at his own research is above morality. Oh, yeah. When we get toward the end of his story, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's start off when he was a kid. And really, he was kind of a genius from the start. He was raised by his father, who was a civil engineer. And as a child, he took a huge affinity for science. Like, he was specifically interested in dead animals, which is kind of a serial killer sign yeah. uh, right off the bat. But It's one, but it's not necessarily, like, most doctors are interested in the dead. Right, it's not the McDonald triad, you know, it's not lighting things on fire and pissing mm. the bed and things like that on top of it. His focus was specifically dead animals, not necessarily playing with them, but just wanting to know what made them tick. Even as like a teenager, he was inventing things. He, he self-constructed his own bicycle, a new type of bicycle in Russia, and uh, as a teen. That's madness. 
That's some fucking Leonardo da Vinci shit. Yeah, and he was good at it. He made straight A's in school, eventually graduated from Moscow University Medical School. Uh, this was in 1914. So we are talking early 1900s here. So as we go through the story, you're going to have to constantly remind yourself that like this was a very different time. Especially in Soviet Russia. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I honestly think that, like, given especially the description you've been talking about, it's probably something along the lines of, he was probably one molestation away from being just a flat serial killer in fuck science. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, or a head injury. <laughs> right. Like, I honestly feel like that's, that's the, you know, it's the, it's the cake recipe. He's got all the ingredients. He just didn't mix them together and put them in the fucking oven. Like, he just didn't turn out to be a literal serial killer. Right. He, he is a killer. <laughs> like, that's not, undis- that's undisputable. He, he killed. Not people, but... You could even look at, like, Jeffrey Dahmer, who had a really intense, like, affinity for dead animals. But his dad was a chemical engineer who taught him about, like, the effects that acids had on, like, corpses and things like that. Like, he was really interested in uh, in these scientific theories and things like that. But he also had a really shitty home life where his parents, like, hated each other. Yeah. And he was really socially inept. But, like, these things all put together. But Philip's probably right. He was probably pretty close to... <laughs> going, the, going the other way and fuck for all is it's in russia like they routinely just like destroy records it's like for all we fucking know he was a fucking serial killer and just nobody ever knew that he saw his uh his share of trauma too because uh right after college he was drafted into the imperial russian army as a active junior doctor in infantry regiment so um i think in russia you get conscripted i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> oh really here he essentially just dealt with traumatic shock and combat injuries. Like this is, you know, going into world war one, world war two. Going to see a lot of real fucked up stuff. Yeah. So he was in the shit. A hundred percent in the shit. And he dealt mostly with lung and heart injuries too. And like stopping people from bleeding to death and like clamping arteries and like the nastiest of the nasty aside from of course, like your intestines and bowels blowing up everywhere. It was kind of at this time when he started his kind of obsession with keeping optimum circulation. Like, that was his goal. Like, this person's bleeding to death. We need to make sure that the bleeding stopped and that circulation is going through the heart properly. And this was his focus. He's not wrong. Like, that's totally legitimate, like, scientifically. But <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to create a device called the autojector, which is obviously evil. <laughs> Totally a fucking evil sounding device. Yeah. 100%. Uh, also, when, when you first sent me the notes and I looked at it, I read it wrong as the auto jerker. Like, <laughs> You're like, where can I buy one of these? Well, I mean, it's a thing now. Not that I would know. <laughs> yes, you clearly do know. But I, I read it at, hilariously. You read it as auto jerker. I read it as the auto jacker. <laughs> and I'm like, the auto jacker? I'm reading it on my phone. I'm like, this can't be right. <laughs> Autojector. <laughs> I mean, it even sounds evil. To be honest, all of these would have been just as evil names for it. They just some of them would have sounded more like pocket pussies than others. <laughs> this wasn't a thing. I mean, now like keeping somebody alive is like, and keeping their blood flowing is like a given. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's very doable. In 1914, it was like, oh well, you're. Your leg's blown off? Like, well, we should probably like try to sew up that hole, I guess. <laughs> okay, bye. I'm just picturing the conversation like using like modern-day slang now. Just like, that leg got blown off? Big oof there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, sorry about it. So he began designing this device, as we just said, called the autojector. This would take old, exhausted blood from a host, would pump it into a glass chamber where it was warmed up and oxygenated, and then pumped back into the host, which is essentially just a blood transfusion at this yeah. point. Just, you know, with... Taking old shitty blood and transfusing it with new blood. The new blood. Looking at some of the uh, the diagrams for this thing too, it's like it's it's like weirdly like simplistic in comparison to now, but then also taking into consideration the time period. And it's like crazy this guy just came up with this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like his whole motivation behind it was because he dealt with so many people that just bled to death in the army. Yeah. And his ideas were, what if I could make something that could bring these people back to life by putting the blood back into it? It's actually, like, hilariously simple, but, 
like the fact that he invented the device and invented the idea of it is bananas. Yeah. Like it's how could it be? It's also bananas to consider like this is like the 1920s and of course this is now 90 100 years ago and like that seems like a really long time compared to now. But it's like it's like a hilariously short period of time. Well, whole human existence is a really short period of time. Oh yes, <laughs> I know. But it's like it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the concept of like this thing that is like easy now. Not that the three of us could do it because we're all dumbass. I mean, so this goes to the point why so many people go get like worked up about you know why aren't we making these drastic changes right now? On all these social issues right now and going to the extreme right now. Because like, we can't, dog. When you put it into perspective, think about something like African-American rights or even women's rights or, and stuff like that. It's like, it has taken so long to get to these points. And it's like, yeah. We're basically hauling ass. Is this <laughs> it? <laughs> right. So it's it's real easy to just be like, oh, well, I want all this right now. And it's like, bro, like, I hate to say it. It fucking sucks. But if you look at history... It's never right now. It's always just going to take a fuckload longer than you think. Until somebody like Sergey B comes along and Cowabunga it is his way through fucking science and medicine. You just called him Sergey B and now I'm just picturing like, DJ Sergey B! (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. I take your blood, I give him blood. (laughs) No. I feel like this is definitely a character from a Blade movie. Is this not? Yes, it 100% should be. Or a Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> also, because I've watched too many action movies where the main villain is Russian, I'm just picturing now all, like, every single patient this guy dealt with that, that died is him just being like, thus for Danya, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least yeah. he was giving him some, like, last rites kind of shit. The Russian version, I guess. So he started off, as we kind of, you know, got into the podcast, he started off with dogs and rabbits. Lots and lots of dogs. Fuck no, he did not fuck them. I mean, that we know. <laughs> that is a different episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's an example of, of uh, villainy. If you have, like, experiments on, like, a few dogs that were, like, gonna die anyway, that's, like, kind of messed up, but sure. But if you're just snatching dogs and rabbits up, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, even his team was not okay with the amount of dogs that he was killing. And to, to Philip's credit, a little bit ago, he was talking about, like, how do you get around this? Like... This guy was dealing with blood transfusion. Yeah. It's not like he can euthanize a dog, if that was even a thing back then, for multiple hours and then go get the dead corpse and then try and use it on this. Like, I mean, he was talking about saving people that had just died. Yeah. You know what I mean? So basically what he would do is cut the throats or cut the carotid arteries of these animals in their lab, let them bleed out. And I'm talking like thousands of dogs, thousands of experiments. God damn Thousands of dogs? That's so many dogs. (laughs) It is a lot of dogs. Where do you even get that many dogs? It must have been for like 30 years, right? You're talking? No. It's like, no, that was like (laughs) December of 1940. (laughs) It was about 20, 25 years that he was, that he was. Okay, so a good long time and thousands of dogs in that long. Right, it was from the beginning of his experiments really up until like the end to where he shifted on to the next thing. Like, it was, it was that. I was say, I wonder if at the beginning it was just like, man, I can't believe I'm killing this animal. And then toward the end it was just, hot diggity dog, here I go killing again. Hot diggity dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sucking on chili dogs, down at the Tasty Freeze. No. <laughs> what? Sucking on thousands of chili dogs. Basically what he would do is he would cut off the limbs and the heads and like different parts of the dogs slowly bleed them to death on other ones, and he'd hook up his autojector to them and prolong the amount of life that they stayed alive after each time. So this was kind of the torturous part. Like, he would actually cut off limbs so that they would die, and while they were still alive, would hook into the machine to test how long they could bleed out and he could keep them alive with his machine. Each time kind of being a little bit longer. Yeah. To be honest, like, I don't see any other way he could have done it. Yeah. Like, you were saying, like, Maybe that there was a better way or whatever, but I don't really know that there is. I'm not saying that he still should have. I really am not in a position to say that. I, it's, If I say that, I'm damning millions, probably, of people to death. Like, you shouldn't have done that. I feel like this is a total Ian Malcolm situation, where he's like, you were so worried about whether you could, you didn't stop to think about whether you should. It absolutely is. I mean, it's clear by looking at his history that 
he did this because this is what got him going. Like he was pumped about it. Not no pun intended, yeah. since he invented the autojacker. <laughs> God damn it! People don't just do these kinds of things because they think that they're better for humanity. Like he really just wanted to do these things. I don't know if he wanted to torture animals. I, I don't think there's a way to have done this and not at least be fine with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like he's there's no way he's getting all this research done without him being cool with it. I don't. I doubt he was like, "Fuck yeah, man! I just cannot." fucking wait to go get me another dog and that's kind of what he was seen as as, from his lab team is they were upset about all of this yeah but he was basically known to not have a moral compass like he was just like i don't care yeah you know what i mean he was they were like you're killing all these fucking dogs even the community was not happy with this they were like this is kind of absurd it's starting to get a little absurd and he's like science Bitch. <laughs> Science, bitch. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's a pharmaceutical company or really many companies just in general that create things for human consumption or for use on humans that have to be FDA approved and all that shit. They've all killed thousands of animals. For sure. Now, whether or not they were like just taking a little sword and chopping off mouse arms or monkey arms or whatever, like, I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I, some of the shit I've heard them doing to like rabbits and shit, I'm like, seems fucked up. Like, really fucked up. Yeah. But I, you know, we have a ton of really great drugs. They're really taking a chance fucking with monkeys, by the way. They tear off faces. <laughs> it's like... See, to me, that's like hunting a tiger with, like, a spear. It's like, kind of like, go on ahead if you feel like you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that tiger gonna get you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, I mean, if you wanna... So if it's like, you gotta do lab experiments on this chimpanzee or this orangutan, it's like, okay... You might get your arm ripped off. There was another scientist I actually looked at when uh, researching for, for the, a villain for this podcast. Wasn't necessarily a villain until like, like he he was switching out brains, in different apes, and then he was like inserting female, like human female eggs into gorillas and like trying to get them to have a, a gorilla human baby. I guess I'm a med scientist because that sounds fucking great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> just just that gorilla that. that Gorilla man hybrid? No. <laughs> I'm not down for this. Just female. Female? <laughs> That's just a female gorilla. <laughs> it's a homocilla. Uh, getting back to this guy, like, basically his breakthrough test, and this would go on to get him a little famous, he had severed a dog's head, right? And he hooked up the autojector machine to the dog's head. Let's Let me be clear. He severed many dog's heads. But by the end of this, he was able to keep it alive for 100 minutes before the blood coagulated and it failed. And it was clearly still doing something. Like, he was able to feed it and, like, give it, like, put uh, citrus on its lips so it would lick its lips. Stuff like this is fucking insane! (laughs) Yeah, there is debate whether it's real or not. But in the name of science, I did watch this video. That came out in 1940. Uh, it was a con- like a conference video where they showed him with the dog's head hooking the autojector up and then like putting the citrus on its nose and it's like licking its face and he's touching it around the eyes and it's wincing and he's feeding it candies and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to know if it's real or not. Russia is obsessed with releasing like videos and like propaganda, propaganda yeah. about, especially around this time, about how fucking amazing their technology and shit is and it's all fucking made up. Like... But at the same time, I feel like this guy in particular, he gets backing from the government, like heavy backing after as a result of this test. Yeah. But I really don't like I don't think he would have been interested in faking results. It doesn't like that doesn't seem like it would like get him going as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't think he'd be. No, it's not that I don't think he'd have a moral opposition. I just don't I think he would think it was bullshit. I was like, why would I want to fake like I could do this if I can't really do this? I, w- I want to be able to do this. And as somebody who'd like just watched the video, I feel like it's something very hard to fake in 1940. Dude, the special effects in movies can, can hardly fake it. And they're trying their absolute goddamn damnedest to do it. Just put it this way. Like, watching it kind of shook me a little bit. I was just kind of like, I don't like this. Oh, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not. I wouldn't watch it. I just couldn't. You saw the screenshot of it, and you were like, no. Yeah. Just, uh-uh. <laughs> but especially since it looks like a Shiba. But it looks like... Shiba the, yeah. yeah. And it's like, no! I would watch it, but I know for sure I would regret it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I would. I would do it. But afterwards, I'd just be like, yeah, I knew I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's like, I, I hate myself. It's fine. As far as an experiment like that goes, like, don't run that on a chihuahua because they're already possessed by Satan anyway. Yeah. So it would just, that's how you get fucking zombie vicious dogs. Well, so speaking of, as Philip was just saying, there was government backing. Do you know why Stalin, like, backed the fuck out of this? Oh, let me guess. Was it because Stalin wanted zombie soldiers? Yes, it was. Okay, imagine that. It was. Because it's fucking Stalin. It was, he wanted zombie soldiers basically going into World War II. Dude, ima- yeah, imagine this, though. You make 50,000 of these, like, portable auto-ejectors that can bring somebody back to life, and you just stab something into their neck and, like, tape it on, and then you just stand them up, and they go fucking shoot some motherfuckers? Yeah. That's kind of a huge fucking, you know, I'm like, you go into a battlefield full of the dead, and then you just bring them back, and they keep fighting? Fuck! There's not a great deal of media, but there's enough, like, comics and books and some games and things like that where they take, like, like World War Two era and had like a supernatural bent to it, and every single one of those Stalin always wants zombies or Hitler. Yeah, like it, 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 it just dictators. We can't win the war like regularly. Black magic. <laughs> it's like why not? I guess you just because because Hitler was fucking obsessed with the occult. Yeah, like, like obsessed with it. Like actually, like for real, like not a joke. And that was like my first thought for this mad science scientist podcast was like Dr. Mengele. And Joel was like, no, I'm doing Dr. Mingala. I'm fucking related to him. I'm doing Dr. Mingala. I was the one who sewed those baby faces together. <laughs> That's exactly right, Cheats. He wanted zombie army. Now, it was like, oh, we, we want this for military purposes. But honestly, every great invention ever has been military funded. All of them. Internet, military. Like, name a fucking invention more important than the fucking internet. So this part is real fucked up to me, this next part that we're going to talk about. So in 1934, uh, he enlisted some surgeons, and actually a lot of these surgeons, because of this test, would go on to basically create open-heart surgery, specifically in Europe. And once again, without this guy, like, who knows where open-heart surgery would have gone. Like, all of these things that we're saying, like, oh, without this guy, XXX number of people would have died. It's like, yeah, eventually we would have invented it without torturing six million dogs. <laughs> but the point is, it came way sooner because of that, and who right. the fuck knows how many lives were saved as a result. Right. Like, who the fuck knows how many? He's just walking around inventing shit every day that's just saving a million people. That's fucking crazy. You can't just discount that. Like... Given all of the horrible shit that every single human being does in their life, on purpose and on accident, like, how can you just take your moral flag and shove it up my ass and say that, <laughs> absolutely not, he killed dogs? It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could have done it, but was it necessary? I cannot say. We can't say. One way. Now, this next part, I'm throwing the moral towel up your ass, Philip. <laughs> on this next, on this next part, you can't throw a towel up my ass. <laughs> oh, I can't. It's a flag with a flag pole. <laughs> He's gonna floss that butthole. <laughs> so, him and these surgeons, they get together. He gets a, a sci- team of scientists together, and their next step, with direction from the government, of course, is is what cheats. Reviving someone. Man. Making zombies. Let's, we're, we're moving on yeah. from dogs to man. I mean, dude was already dead. You're not getting any deader. Yeah. So they took a guy who had killed himself three hours before the test. They were just sitting around waiting. They were like, somebody's going to die very shortly. And I wonder if this guy actually killed himself. It's <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, to be real, I'm shocked they bothered waiting. Shocked. <laughs> You mean fucking people stalling yeah, kills? This guy sucks. Yeah. Let's kill him. Seriously, how many fu- <laughs> like how many deaths he's Stalin's responsible for? Right. Who the fuck knows how many million? Way more than fucking Hitler. Way more. Yeah. So this guy hangs himself, and they bring in the body. He's been dead for three hours, and the surgeon who's on on staff, the one who would go on to, to work on open heart surgery, he slid open an artery and connected the autojector and the cold blood, which was not coagulated yet. Surprisingly, after three hours, they must have kept the body at least warm. Or cold. I don't know. <laughs> Began to flow. The autojectors started to warm the blood, oxygenate it, and uh, warm the corpse's body with the blood. And after just a few minutes of being hooked up, and, and this is real creepy because the story that I had read was from somebody who was watching this. And they said that it, it was dead silent in this room. Like, there was, there was nothing. And then all of a sudden, like, 
the heartbeat came on the monitors. Like, how many bricks hit the floor right then? Oh, shit. Right? Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> I was just kidding. I didn't think this would work. And then next, the corpse, like, had a death rattle in the throat. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that you've heard it in movies, but it's it's real. The death rattle is, like, that, yeah. that like, breathing thing. And the chest started to heave. And the eyes started to flutter. And then just opened and, like, stared around the room. Like, the eyes moved around the room and, like, focused on, like... They moved? The eyes were fluttering. And then it said it was a, a stare of, of stupor at the people. And everybody was like, no. <laughs> and they shut they shut everything down. The whole staff, including Sergey, was just horrified. I don't understand what they wanted to have happen. Like, how did they get to that point and go, no? That's the point where you go, yes. I did. guess, like, it's just like, I can't. No. <laughs> it's it's, ch- it's chickening out at the last moment, basically. <laughs> it's getting ready to jump off the plane parachuting. You get up there, you got the parachute on, you're, like, sitting at the edge, and you're like, nah, fuck this. Nah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy that you're tandem jumping with is like, dude. I've been fucking with this all morning long. You're jumping. And then they just push you the fuck out. <laughs> no, they seriously do. That's real. They're like, no, nah, you're not chickening out. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a case of like, we wanted to do this, but like once we realized maybe we could do this, it's like, we shouldn't do this. Yeah. Nah, dude. I mean, it must've been truly fucking horrifying for them all to just, they basically, they unplugged all the machines and like after two minutes, the blood went cold again, and the corpse died. I guess died again. Well, he- heavily brain damaged. Had to be, right? Yeah. So there's no way like alive is questionable in this particular instance. Had a heartbeat though, and that like that's enough. Like that's, I mean, alive enough to to do some motor functions. Yeah. Jesus Ooh. Christ. So, no. um, this is Russia we're talking about, correct? Yeah. Like. You know, and I know, just in my imagination, Russia is just a frozen wasteland, and I know that's not actually true. Obviously, no one would be able to live there. But if it was, if the body was kept, like, super cold, like, right now, they're working on shit where they, when they have to keep somebody alive for longer, they literally, like, put them in a fucking frozen bath of water and essentially cryo-freeze them temporarily. And they can keep their brain and body alive by doing this. Like, this is a real thing that they're doing. So if it's like, if that body was like, I mean, I'm sure if he's hanging himself, he doesn't have the heater turned on. I don't know. I'm kind of confused on whether, like, you know, if this guy had any kind of, like, cognition at all, like, waking up after he killed himself, and he's like, fuck! (laughs) No, he's looking around and he just goes, Sergey? We were having a drink. What happened? It's like, clearly didn't kill himself. Yeah, just clubbed him in the fucking back of a bar. <laughs> Dragged him. Yeah. He said they were going clubbing, but he didn't understand it. The actual It's kind of the end. Like, Sergei died in 1960. He, he, he did go back to, to dogs again after this to further his studying. But his machines essentially went on to become blood transfusion machines in everyday hospitals. Right. So that's why there's this huge debate, essentially, whether or not this guy... And uh, and we'll get to it at the end of the podcast whenever we put them on the scale. But I've personally watched my loved ones not die as a result of the grandchildren of them. Yeah. It's very hard to say, fuck you for killing a bunch of dogs and bringing back a guy who killed himself. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard thing to say that. Do you know how many fucking dogs I would kill to get back what I've lost? Any number of dogs. I don't care. Shovel on more dogs. Now, once I start killing those dogs... <laughs> Probably I'd chicken out, just like Sergey did whenever yeah. he was reanimating the corpse. I'm like, I can't actually kill this dog, but I, I'm not, I, but I want to, I want to want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. So to me, you know, I, I can't, I honestly can't decide if he was just absolutely bat shit out of his fucking mind, crazy. If he really wanted to like help humanity, or if he just was scientifically curious as fuck. And that's all he gave a fuck about. It's hard to know, given, you know, sketchy records. Yeah, the little little known information about this guy. Maybe all the above? Or Could be. You probably just be right. like he actually cared, but also was super obsessed. Yeah. You know, after he died, he was given the Lenin Prize, uh, which is like a prestigious Russian prize. Prestigious Russian prize. <laughs> <laughs> they painted a painting for him in his honor. All right, you guys ready to move on to Dr. Herbert West? Sure. Thank God. Let's talk about something not horrifying in real life. 
You did this, Philip. You signed up for this. I I guess. <laughs> you were like, hey, Philip, you want to do the podcast with me? Okay, that's fine. You're 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 okay with killing thousands of dogs. I knew for a fact that you didn't want to talk about like serial killers, because you don't you've told me before you're not really into that. I mean, I just get a little serial killered out sometimes. That's that's fair. I get tired of it, whereas a lot of people don't. They're like, no, cowabunga it is for the serial killers. Shovel on more. Give me more. And like sadly, like, especially after I mean, it'll be a year this month that I've been doing this podcast. Like, I'm way more into it than I ever was. It's very addictive. Yeah. Like, just because it's so fucking interesting, because there's so many cases out there where you're like, how? Why? Yeah. I mean, not just serial killers, just villains in general, like real life villains, where you're just like, this is absolutely insane that there are humans out here that do this. The fucking Japanese guy we did cut off a dude's head with a katana, cheats. Yeah. <laughs> and he also gives candy to children at Halloween. <laughs> it's fucking fucked up. This is bullshit. All right. Herbert West. In the movie played by Jeffrey, oh, Combs. Jeffrey Combs. Obviously the character of Herbert West created by H.P. Lovecraft for his short story in 1922, Reanimator. Which is the film... That it's really the only thing I'm familiar with. I've not read the story, and I don't know of any other kind of tangentially related shit. I just know the movie with Jeffrey Combs. So I have read the story. I did it in a college class I was in. It was uh, science fiction and education. Oh, somebody went to college. (laughs) You guys always make fun of me for going to college. I know. So (laughs) the professor was like, you need to read Frankenstein and do an essay on Frankenstein. And I was like, I'm fucking sick of Frankenstein. Can I do... Herbert West reanimator instead. He was like, yeah, sure. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Was his name Sergey B? Was that your professor? Professor B? (laughs) So I am familiar with the story. It's much different than the, than the movie, obviously. We'll kind of stick more to the movie. We'll kind of go back and forth just with the character in general. So he was a Swiss inventor and he created a special solution that when injected into the main artery of a recently deceased person, it would cause the body's mechanical living functions to return. However, <laughs> and I'm sure this is no spoiler alert, they came back fucking violent as all hell. Well, yeah. Because they didn't have, like, human emotions anymore. They were just, like, murder machines. Just fucking rolled up on green tea is actually what that is. Yeah, yeah. All goddamn day. <laughs> I, there are three movies. I've only seen one and three. I've not seen Bride of Reanimator, but I've seen Beyond, and I've seen the first one. Of oh, I was thinking Bride came out like maybe a couple years after the first one. Yes. Well, Beyond Reanimator is like many, like early two thousand. Many years it? after. Yeah. What do you guys think about a zombie apocalypse movie that takes place like twenty or thirty years after Reanimator, where his serum has caused the like collapse of society? But he's the only one still alive, and he's just walking around like Rambo with giant guns, and it's just called D-Animator. I'd watch it. <laughs> no? No? I love how you asked no before we even got a chance yeah. to answer. You both made faces like, uh-uh. <laughs> you dumb, boy. You dumb. I was thinking. <laughs> Basically, like you said, Cheats, the subjects would turn violent, attack those around him, and uh, in the book, the, the reanimated corpses actually... Were more a little, little more like zombies. Like they wanted to eat human flesh and organs. Like maybe it was like a compared a little bit, maybe with like Return of the Living Dead, where they felt like they had to eat stuff to get rid of the pain of being dead. Gotcha. They had motivations that were. It wasn't just like an instinctual need for eating human flesh. It was. Um, it had it served a purpose to them. Like right. they were rationally saying, "I need this because yeah, of this." Who knows though? It's it's Lovecraft. Um, Some of the stuff he wrote. <laughs> how, I mean, that's 1922. How the fuck is is he original zombie? What's older than this? That's like zombies that come back to life and eat human flesh. Frankenstein's monster didn't eat human flesh, but it was definitely like zombied. Well, there were there were tons of Return from the Dead things way before this, millions and zillions of them, but. I want to know, is this is this the genesis of this? Because we've talked about this a million times on the Motion Picture Meltdown podcast about, like, where, who's the original zombie? Like, it obviously evolved over many years, but, the, like, this sounds like the earliest example of the most classic kind of zombie we think of, which is, like, the um, Romero zombies. It's like, they... I mean, it's possible. I think Poe was, Poe was 1800s, right? Yeah. Poe may have had something... I don't think he did anything with zombies. Yeah, he was a little more, like, goth. Yeah. Like, macabre. Like, just fucking 
I mean, there's there's Gosh, some shit. some ghosts, but he was pretty cheesy. He was mostly corn on macabre. <laughs> hey oh. Oh god, if I named episodes like that weren't just the villains, that would be the name of this episode. <laughs> Corn of Macabre. Somewhere Joel is in Ireland. He just got a glimpse. <laughs> <laughs> he just he has the shin in and he just was like, Motherfucker talking about shit talking shit about Corn of Macabre. He's like, I fucking heard that pun, god damn. <laughs> I felt a disturbance. Yeah. Back to Herbert West. He was looked down on by his peers because they peered down on, if you will. God damn it. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. Basically, he thought he could overcome death. He had little care for the consequences. He became obsessed with the idea that, like, death is not final. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who I have to prove, who I have to kill to prove that death is not final. Like, science. <laughs> he gonna do it. Basically, he would just keep doing his experiments, even though they resulted in the death of his colleagues and friends. And uh, in the movie, uh, he tries to bring his mentor back to life. Uh, when things go wrong, uh, he just chalks it up to using too high of a dosage. And everyone's like, no, you have to stop doing this. And he's like, well, I'll just go to America then. Nobody gives a shit there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely dosage, not just, you know, the moral repercussions of you fucking with things you shouldn't fuck with. Well, yeah, playing God, essentially. Yeah. Even though God doesn't exist, playing God. <laughs> just to be, just to clarify. Yeah, it always cracks me up when people who I know don't believe in God say the phrase "playing God." It's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know how we got to here? Random chance. Fucking creatures crawling up on land or not. Fucking animals eating each other, but fucking each other into other animals. It's like it's all just random bullshit. Why is it worse for us to invent it specifically? But fucking animals into other animals look steven life finds a way <laughs> you don't think there's bacteria in those animals butts being fucked into existence how do you think aids got invented monkeys fucking each other i'm not sure how i feel about just butt animals but i guess we should probably move back on to her <laughs> butt animals i'm not sure how you are very sure how you feel about it cheats stop backing down on me <laughs> He brings a body back to life, which becomes, like, violent. And this is after he comes to America. He goes to, to college in America. And his mentor there is very skeptical of him because he knew of this science work uh, across the world. And he was like, Herbert, you stole this information from your mentor, the one that's dead. And now you're trying to bring it over here. And it's bullshit. He was like, I don't believe in it. It's bullshit. You're just stealing theories. Herbert West, of course, gets really pissy. And, uh... He moves in, you know, with a, a classmate and pretty much immediately just kills his roommate's cat and reanimates it. Yeah, that would be it, like, for me. Like, someone kills one of my cats, they're fucking dead. Yeah, well, he just said that it died on its own. I found it this way. My blood's in your head soft. That's exactly <laughs> where this is going. Just for future reference, if your roommate's with cheats and one of his cats happens to die, you better just move away. <laughs> you let my fucking cat die? Yeah! Yeah! I'll kill you! <laughs> Cheats would come bounding over. Cheats will come bounding over. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, don't live with Cheats. Moral of the story. Not even Cheats wants to live with Cheats. <laughs> he goes to school and he's trying to show uh, his roommate's fiance's dad, who happens to be the dean, like, what's going on? Like, check out this research. So he brings a cadaver back from the dead and... Of course, it freaks the fuck out and kills, you know, Herbert's roommate's fiance's dad, Former the roommate. dean. And so then he reanimates the dean. And West's professor, like, sees it at this point. And he's like, ooh, you're going to give me that sweet, sweet research or I'm going to tell the cops what you did. Probably not a great idea to try to threaten somebody with. Well, especially an actual psychopath. Yeah. Like a literal murderous psychopath. Like... <laughs> Probably shouldn't. It all comes to a head. Ah, uh, yes. When Herbert West is just like, yeah, and fucking chops <laughs> off his, his professor's head with a shovel. And then, just out of morbid curiosity, is just like, reanimator fluid. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's only been dead for like five minutes. Let's just try this. Just science juice. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's, oh my it's god, like, it's more science juice. I forgot. It, it really is. Damn it's it. just like neon green... Like, goop. It's just highlighter fluid, is all it is. So his professor comes back, but this time, like, even even headless, 
Like, he's like holding his own head. All the cognitive thought is there. Like, he is alive, but dead. But he knows that he's there, but also is evil. I mean, he was kind of evil anyway. He was trying to, to blackmail him. Yeah, this is where you get a really weird yeah. scene of uh, the professor then, like, using his body to inject the reanimator fluid into a bunch of different corpses and basically making, like, a tiny little corpse army. And they hold down the roommate's fiance. He's holding his own head and she's naked and he's like trying to make his own head perform cunnilingus on her. <laughs> Cheats has never seen Reanimator, by the way, and he's just like Holy shit, really? Yeah, he, he's never seen it and he's just like The scowl. He's just giving me a really shitty face right now. Yeah, I don't like any of this. Cheats just ate a handful of lemons. <laughs> We have to watch it, by the way. I it's, just, it's fucking great. It's the, a great movie. Cheats is not going to come bounding over for no. this. The face I was making was similar to hearing a really sick riff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Right before the breakdown hits, it comes back slower. Yes. <laughs> Basically, in the movie, Herbert West gets like taken down by a bunch of like corpses or whatever. You don't really see what's going on with him, but spoiler alert: he lives to move on until two more movies. Well, not evident by the fact that there are two additional movies. Yeah. And he does go to prison in, I think, the third movie. And he makes his escape. Uh, I think by the end of the franchise, he's still alive. Like, he's just, like, obsessed with his inventions and, like, does them to the point of, like, bad shit happening. And then he just fucks off. Speaking of, like, headless people, I love that there's a character in the stories that's just a headless zombie who carries its head in a briefcase. Oh, yeah. Which is just, like... I mean, I understand it's like 1920, but it's just like, come on, man. You could have thought of something a little bit better. Well, it's serious business. Well, especially it wears a fake head. Yeah. It wears like a mannequin head. Yeah. And then carries its head around in the That's kind of like like this guy, the professor in the in the first movie. Like, he wears like a trench coat, and I think he does have a fake head. I can't remember. But in the book, Herbert West basically creates an army of the dead, and they devour him, essentially. He can't control it. Yeah, the ending's also like super fucked up for that too, uh, because his assistant is one who's like the viewpoint character for the entire story, right. and it's like the the army like busts in, they they kill Herbert West, and the, the zombie army. Yes, <laughs> the zombie army. The assistant's knocked unconscious, and then when he comes back too, like the lab and the wall and the cemetery that are behind it are all like like nothing happened. Yeah, and so the police are just like. You killed Herbert West. And the, the assistant's just like, well, I didn't, but you have no proof. And no one's ever going to believe me fucking ever. <laughs> because of course they will. Yeah. Like... <laughs> At least he's smart enough to understand that before he's like, no, I swear, all this stuff. Has... It's like, you don't say that when you know everyone's going to call you a fucking liar. It's, point, <laughs> right. it's pointless. Yeah, you just give up. You're just like, well... I'm not hearing anything that says my Deanimator movie can't happen. Pretty much. He just would have to not die. Who? Uh, Jeffrey Combs? Yeah, I mean, he's not dead, and he presumably will live a fair bit longer. And in the films, that's true. I wonder if they're ever going to make another one. Deanimator. With him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not like Jeffrey Combs doesn't literally do anything. He does everything and anything. He's got a lot of voice work, too. He has a fuckload of b-horror movies like anytime somebody wants jeffrey combs they're just like do you want to do this and he's like yeah. <laughs> and he's done multiple yeah. tons of hp lovecraft and we talked about this i think uh we did a movie from mpm called uh necronomicon yeah he plays hp lovecraft right right and he also did the beyond which is lovecraft so he's he's familiar with lovecraft so i could definitely see him doing it but it this role kind of like shot him into the being that cult favorite in horror it injected a fresh uh science juice auto-ejected yes it auto-jacked off the um, he was a re reoccurring character in star trek for a while too when he Philip? he's yeah. in several star treks as multiple different characters he's in a bunch of fucking fuckload of star trek he was in the frighteners <laughs> he's in frighteners um yeah he's just in a shitload of shit he's prolific and awesome and sorry d hard again <laughs> <laughs> And one last thing about Herbert West is, like, the character went on, and I think he was in a six-part story by H.P. Lovecraft, aside from the reanimator story. Um, he's been in comics. He's been toys. He's been a character in other writers' novels, like horror novels. Some video games. PC games. So, like, 
He's a pretty popular horror character. Not popular enough, in my opinion, though. I agree. I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. But I think, cult-wise, he does. Like, he has a huge following. It's just no one brings him up when you're talking about, like, classic horror franchises. Because I think his blends a little closer into the... It's almost more about the mad science than anything. And also, it's also the issue of... um, it being a little campy as well. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of the a lot of the classic horror movies didn't start off campy. Now, the obvious exceptions, there are still exceptions to that. Like, for instance, Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday the thirteenth, which is that a camp? Well, get out of here. The first Friday the thirteenth isn't played for like goofy laughs like Nightmare on Elm Street. No, is. not at all. And even the first Nightmare on Elm Street only has a couple of those silly moments. It's mostly just horrifying shit like a fountain of Johnny Depp's blood. <laughs> yeah. Where where fucking Robert England basically auto-jacks fucking Johnny Depp's blood all over the fucking wall behind him. <laughs> all right, you guys ready to move on to the bowler hat scale to finish up the episode? Oh, the it. bowler scale. Oh, they do it. Moment of truth, boys. Now, keeping in mind that someone like, uh, and I know you guys have talked to me about some villains before, but keeping in mind that like Genghis Khan would obviously be a 10. And someone like D.B. Cooper or like Elmer McCurdy or those like kind of nobodies would be around like two or three or something like that. Where it's like the threat is there, but not necessarily like... They're slightly villainous. Yeah. Slightly. Where would Sergei be on this scale to you guys? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. I think that Sergei is uh, probably a three. I don't really think you can give him more than that. Um... Most of that is just that I, you can kind of tell he just doesn't give a single fuck. Just like no moral compass. He can't kill millions of, or thousands of dogs and, not, and just not give a fuck. Like, you have to not care. To and we that. know that he didn't really give a fuck because his colleagues knew that he didn't give a fuck. They right. were bothered by it. Yeah, the people who were around see him not giving a fuck. Like, they can tell. Human beings can detect compassion or the lack thereof. <laughs> right. I doubt he enjoyed it necessarily, except for for the scientific, uh, like, fulfillment. So Yeah, even if it, like, bothered him, like, the minute the minute there was, like, a breakthrough, he was probably like, Fuck them dogs! Yeah! <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and give him a two, because I think a three is even, honestly, too harsh. Like, there are people that kill, that get people killed through their negligence. I feel like they're more of a villain than he is. Just because he doesn't care doesn't make him necessarily a villain. I don't think. What about bringing somebody back from the dead, though? I mean, all of those scientists did that, and they all were horrified and pulled the plug yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, if the, if the story was he went crazy when they tried to unplug the man, <laughs> then I'm like, three at least. Plug it back in! I have to see! <laughs> I was gonna bite off his nose to see if he cared about that or not. I mostly agree with you, Philip. Like, and once again, this goes back to us not knowing shit. Like, as far as being scientists go. But, like, I just feel like there is a way to to not just do this, like, let's just cut off this fucking dog's head. Like, honestly, cutting off its head, I feel like, is more compassionate than cutting off limbs. Yeah, that's true, too. That has to be fucking But, I mean, important. like, even, I guess, too, because I watched this the, the video as well, like, it just bothered me a lot. Like, him, like, jabbing it near the eye and seeing the eyes wince and stuff like that and, like, putting stuff near its face and I was just like man this is like really morbid like really fucking and I know it's for science and I love science but I just there's something about it maybe it's just because I love dogs so much but I'm just like I guess that's the question is would this have bothered me as much if it was like rabbits rabbits or like rats or something and I don't know that it would I probably wouldn't have even picked this guy see that's my point like we shouldn't value a dog's life over a rat's life but we totally do all of us, all three of us, and like 99% of humanity does. Like, that's just how it is. Well, that's because dogs are better. <laughs> well, dogs like us better. We are more symbiotic with dogs. Like, we, they give us things, we give them things. Like, we have a relationship. Rats just take our shit, mostly. Besides ones we capture and then make into lab rats, and then they give us delicious, delicious medicine and science. So it's like... I mean, pet rats... Barely. I think I'm going to go with three just because it's dogs. And that bothers me more. That's just the way I see him. It's very, it's a very hard... I For you, I agree that's a great assessment. I just don't... 
I feel like drawing the line between dogs and rats is just arbitrary. And it's just only about our culture. I can't say that you're wrong. But I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong either. That's a totally legit score. And it's not like I love it whenever dogs are tortured <laughs> or anything like that. Don't lie. I just feel like it's the same as if you tortured a rat. Like it you know they feel the exact same pain. Like they all have the, the mammal nerve endings and shit. If it was an animal that literally couldn't feel pain, that's a different story, but it's literally torture, so no matter how you slice it, get it? Terrible. Jeez. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to go middle of the scale and give him a five. Jesus Ooh. Christ. And so this is like the same score that we gave that Yakuza boss. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the same thing. The reason I go with a five is like, first off, it's like, it's it's horrible. It just tortures animals. Yeah. Like, regardless of, of how you feel as far as comparing animals to humans. And what came of it, Yeah. It's one thing if it was just like experiments in like it just you know already wounded animals, but it's the fact it's like he would just take perfectly healthy animals and just fucking kill them. Yeah, and the almost thing, to an obsession. Yeah, very like, much to an obsession. This was an obsession where he kind of sits is like he's kind of on that like razor thin line of like he could tip in one direction or or the other. Yeah. So that's kind of the reason why why I give him kind of a five is because there's also like a certain level of like there's a certain level of like being sinister that like you know ignoring the fact his colleagues didn't like him he could probably like exist in normal society and then this guy tortures creatures on the weekend and you never know about it. Yeah, it's very much like I understand the lower score and I'm not saying you should have higher. It's just like he's he's like right there in the middle. He can go one direction or the other. You don't like him. And no, I don't. And it, <laughs> and it just kind of depends on where, he, what, what day of the week it is. You're doing the scale as though like a, a level of danger you feel from his presence, like what you think he's technically capable of, not necessarily what he got up to in his life. Like he's just on the border, and he could just <laughs> kill you if you felt it, like it. And yeah, it's because he's Russian, it. isn't it, Cheats? It's not because he's Russian. <laughs> um, he's not Canadian, Cheats. You don't have to just automatically hate. I him. was debating on the five, but even then, like I was still looking at like a four for sure. But like, I think he's redeemable. Mm, <laughs> to a point, I think he's deemable. <laughs> All right, where does Herbert West belong? Now Herbert West is definitely redeemable. Eh? Because it's Reanimator. What number are you giving, Philip? Yeah, Herbert West is... I mean, he would literally do anything. He doesn't give a fuck. Like, whether or not he's too dumb to... I mean, he is a murderer. Yeah, he's a murderer, and he's fine with it. He doesn't care. At all. He has zero moral compass for human life, for animal life. He's not doing it for a great reason, either. Like, he honestly, I don't think, has a plan for even doing anything with that serum once he has it. He's just is like, hey, I wonder what happens when you do this. Wonder, look at that. He basically wants to prove that death is not final and that you can just bring anybody back willy-nilly and they'll just be able to live a normal life and he's willing to do anything to prove it. You can bring back Willie and you can bring back Nilly. Doesn't matter. Then you can stitch them together it's willy-nilly. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about Dr. Nicholas in this podcast, Cheats. <laughs> just sewing two babies together and it's like, oh, I named one of them really. <laughs> Alright, so what number does he get? I give him a five. I'm going six. Really? Yeah. I was going like an eight. Yeah. Yeah. He only killed one person. I guess yeah. technically he killed a couple because he reanimated corpses that killed other people. He's He is irredeemable, for sure. Oh yeah, there's no question that we could help Herbert West. He's actually has no morals. Yeah. Like that part of him is broken. Kind of low, in my opinion, Phil. You give him a six, it's only barely higher. But also, I just feel like he falls very much into the same category as Sergei. It's just that Sergei doesn't have the bloodlust that he has. Like Sergei's not really all that cool with killing people. He literally was a doctor who who helped and like saved people. Like, yeah. lots of people. And then he invented a thing that saved a zillion more people. So it's like... Zillion? Who knows? Who knows how many? And who how many it will have. Yeah. Uh, I think... You know, I think level of villainy is a very nebulous thing to nail down anyways. Because it it it's a collaboration of where's their moral compass? What are their intentions? What 
how how dangerous are they? How dangerous could they be? How dangerous have they been? Like all of these things, right. like just basically just a general assessment of threat, but that's not all of it. Like villainy is many things. And it's subjective on how you feel it is too. Right. right. Like you guys particularly love dogs and that really spiked your score. I mean, I love dogs too, but again, it's not, I don't feel like animals that are more lovable are worth more. Like that's just my feeling on the subject. Like, would I personally have a harder time killing cats than a dog? I don't know. I don't think I would. I think I'd feel exactly as bad killing either of those animals. All right. Well, dudes, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. In our replacement of Joel. Joel, we didn't replace you. I promise. I'm just too lazy to replace you, to be honest. <laughs> well, I already do a podcast. Uh, I'm not going to get into listener feedback until Joel gets back because it doesn't fucking matter. Just want to say thank you for tuning in to episode 43 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, if you want to hit us up with some feedback, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at the Curly Mustache Podcast. Check us out on those platforms because I'll often post stuff like, you know, poems, videos, pictures. I'm not posting this dog video on there, so sorry about that. It's easily found on the internet. Yeah. You can put the autojector. Yeah, I could. I'll put the diagram of the autojector on there. You gotta, you have to follow us on those sites in order to see that stuff. So if you want to tell your friends to tune in to us, you, they can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, <laughs> TuneIn, uh, Overcast, pretty much any other major podcast platform. If you want to listen to some other United Cipher podcasts, listen to our other podcast, Motion Picture Meltdown, or Music Video <laughs> Countdown, which also has D-Hard on it. You can also go back and listen to old episodes of Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, uh, and Fallout Forecast. Lastly, check out some shows from friends of ours like uh, Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. Uh, I'm Steven. DJ Cheatsy McKeesy! And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>